0: Welcome to Antimatterpod, a Star Trek podcast where we discuss fashion, feminism, subtext and subspace, hosted by Liz and Fran. This week, we're discussing Star Trek Discovery Season 3, Episode 10, Terra Firma, Part 2.
1: So, awkward question. Did you assassinate Attica and take her place?
0: Okay, so first of all, I feel like I should probably clear up that that was definitely my mirror counterpart and uh, all okay. all, <laughs> all uh, reports of my nefariousness have been greatly exaggerated.
1: Right. Well, that makes it okay. <laughs> if Nira did it, then what can you do?
0: Absolutely. I can't be responsible yeah. for everything she gets up to.
1: No, no. In seriousness, Annika is off dealing with a family emergency and this is a hobby, so it takes second, third, fourth place to that but I felt like this was going to be an episode worth talking about as soon or soon after it came out. And I also thought we've spent so much of this season uh, reading out things Fran has said, using her ideas as talking points. Maybe I should just ask Fran to step in? And I'm very grateful that you said yes.
0: I'm I'm delighted to be here. Honestly, very, very happy to be here. (sighs)
1: So nice. (laughs) What what turns out to be less nice is spending months in the Mirror Universe. Uh, We've both written a lot of fic about how it's not a very nice place to stay long term, and yet I was really surprised at how harrowing this episode was to watch.
0: It it is, isn't it? It's the second she got off that shuttle in the last episode. Having having spent Mm. an entire, what, series and a bit complaining about how terrible the Primeverse was, she got off the shuttle and went, oh... This is the bad place. Oh. <laughs> this, is, this is it. Wait, hang on. And yeah, but it is genuinely harrowing and it's not, it doesn't pull any punches. You know.
1: No, and I think last week we had the pomp and circumstance of ceremonies and ridiculous poetry and this week is just relentless torture and unhappiness.
0: It's a lot less camp. A lot less camp this episode.
1: Yeah, they really leaned into making it serious.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, you have the opening with Michael being thrown into the agonizer booth, mm. which is it's and it's brutal. It's absolutely brutal.
1: I remember in season one, behind the scenes, Jason Isaacs was saying, "You know, I played the the agonizer scenes like I was going through terrible, unspeakable pain." And then Ellen Landry steps out, and her ponytail is. Still intact, and uh, they really went with the former rather than the latter, for Michael.
0: They did, and and, it, and just sort of watching her deteriorate as it goes on yeah. and on and on and on, and it's oh no, gen and genuinely, genuinely horrible.
1: And, and the worst part is, it's Giorgio doing this out of a weird kind of love. And I've seen a lot of people going, this is a terrible redemption arc <laughs> She's a bad person.
0: I mean, it's definitely the mirror verse. And yeah, th- this idea that Michael will only react and respond to violence.
1: It's really sad. It's actually
0: genuinely sad.
1: And it doesn't even work. It doesn't
0: work. <laughs> That's, that is the worst bit. The worst bit is that, yeah, Michael, Michael learns absolutely nothing. And... Giorgio has to kill her the
1: same, just the same. Oh, no! It's 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 terrible. But I feel like for Giorgio, this is the beginning of her redemption, not the end. You know, she's sort of gone through this passive thing the last season and a half, where she's around good people and she's treated well, and we've seen her respond to that, and that she kind of secretly, reluctantly likes it. But in her own context, she is still not making moral choices and yet at the same time how do you make a moral choice in the mirror universe and survive to the next day
0: right well this is it isn't it it's she was never going to be able to turn around a place like that in, th- in it's three in yeah. three months in it so it, she's got three months she's never going to turn around a civilization that is literally built on centuries and centuries of of this sort of violence and 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 totalitarianism you know I think it's very realistic that that is where they left it that it's I agree I think I think to sort of open open up that portal and you know have it so that everything was sunshine and rainbows and puppies it, it wouldn't it actually wouldn't have felt like a satisfying arc, and I think you're right. I think this is absolutely the first step for her. I don't think she's not redeemed, but she no, is. But no. she's pointing in the right direction now.
1: No, and you know the first original series Mirror Universe episodes ends with Mirror Spock realizing that the Empire Empire is unsustainable and has to change. And then we learn in Deep Space Nine he failed. <laughs> the Empire collapsed, and something equally bad replaced it. I, I just. There is all the the optimism in mainline Star Trek and all the hope and joy. They basically got the Mirror Universe's share.
0: This is exactly it. Yeah. It's, it felt like the right finish for that episode. I've got a, a very half-baked idea that this isn't so much redemption arc because it's not. it's not that she ends up kind of achieving a new kind of moral status quo. Right, but she because you know I mean because like you say right she she you know she tortures Michael for several weeks by the sounds of it Uh, you know this is these are not the choices made by a good person but she's she's reforming and she's not just reforming herself she's trying to reform what you know she describes it as her home I think and you know yeah so it's kind of a reformation arc haven't really worked really this one out. I'm really
1: interested in this distinction. I can't wait until these thoughts are fully <laughs> like a nice
0: potato. It's, I think it's 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 the sort of the idea that you don't necessarily have to be a good person to mm. make things better. And I'm still not I'm still not convinced she's a good person, and that's okay. And I almost no. I almost don't want her to become a good you know if you want a kind of a prime verse good person, but she can become a better person, and she can make the places where she you know she finds herself better yeah and i like that as as her arc that it's it's this is the first step for her
1: it sort of feels like a really good premise for the section 31 series which is about people you know the the whole concept of section 31 is that they do terrible things for good reasons and i like the idea of over the course of that series and we we have no idea how long the season is or when it will air or who else is in it but it would be cool to have Giorgio slowly coming to the conclusion that maybe Section Thirty-One is also bad <laughs> and in need of reformation.
0: I think so. I like that. I like yeah. that a lot.
1: I think I think the best and most convincing redemption arcs are the ones that don't happen overnight, and a a slow burn is perfect.
0: Absolutely. It was. I was. I was kind of worried. We were getting this kind of like Christmas Carol. Ebenezer Giorgio you know throwing open the portal on Christmas I was kind of worried that she was gonna like yes, throw yes. open the portal on Christmas morning and tell Michael to go and buy the biggest turkey in the in the shop kind of thing so I was I was genuinely quite relieved when that didn't happen and she kind of you know that she did fail I think it's important for her to not, You know, that she couldn't fix everything by herself, you know, in three months.
1: And how much failure has she really experienced in her life? I I feel like the betrayal of Michael and Lorca is it. Yeah. Here she finds there is just no way she can stop that.
0: Yeah, it's going to happen in every universe and every time, you know, everything she does, it's going to happen again Mm. and again and again. Now, I think you're right. And it, it kind of it feels like that betrayal is the first proper kind of kick in the gut for her yeah you know she's she's literally the emperor of an entire universe so I don't think you get to that kind of position by failing you don't fail upwards <laughs> in the mirror verse is my uh, <laughs> I think you, you fail once and that's and that's it yeah
1: you get one chance
0: you get one chance and you're out mm. <laughs> so I don't think she's I don't think she's accustomed to failure and so kind of having that little moment of vulnerability with with Carl at the end there where she's like yeah but I It didn't work. It didn't work. So you're obviously not going to help me out. I completely fucked up. I didn't save my daughter. I didn't save my universe. I still lost the throne. Nothing changed. The way that she measures success and failure kind of has to shift, I think. And maybe this is is the first time that she's starting to realise that. That actually success doesn't always look like conquering another planet. It can be a lot less seismic Uh than that.
1: And that's sort of the change that she tried and failed to institute in the empire, trying to break apart the capitalist myth of eternal, constant expansion and, and growth. You know, an economy can't grow forever because sooner or later you run out of resources or space or in the case of this empire, unless you have a spore drive, it's going to get too big to manage. Yeah, <laughs> Like, there are so many ways for an empire to fail.
0: Yeah, I think, I think that's that's absolutely it.
1: What's what's remarkable about her choices here is that everything she does with Michael, there's a reward in mind for her. Uh, and it's an intangible reward. It's her daughter's life and love and loyalty. Whereas with Saru, she saves him just because.
0: Yeah, there's like, nothing there's nothing in it Because it's the right it thing her. to do.
1: Yeah. No, she doesn't even expect him to burst in and save her.
0: No, which, try which is, yeah, I loved I loved that. No, you're right. There's I don't think there's any expectation that this is gonna achieve anything for her. There's a very, very good chance that it will, you know, destabilise everything she's built because if you give you know, yeah. you give the Kelpians this essentially this weapon that they can turn against you. So it's an incredibly risky thing to tell him about in the first place. And so you kind of do have to wonder what you know what is in it for her? And and the answer is not not a lot. So, did she make a good choice?
1: I think it was her first selfless Aww. choice, and she made it without thinking. That's kind of cute. You know, even taking Kelpian off the menu, she has to <laughs> frame it in, ah, in, oh, they're so unhealthy, they're so high in cholesterol.
0: Oh, it was so good. Honestly,
1: was... I do not believe that this is a problem in the 23rd <laughs> century. I mean, I hope not. I hope not. <laughs> yeah.
0: Delicious, delicious kelpian for everybody. Oh. oh man, that that was that was a beautiful line though. It being oh, I know. high in cholesterol I know. and too <laughs> stringy. <laughs> but yeah, this is it. She can't. She can't even. Yeah, she can't even hide her reasons for changing the menu in the imperial lunch room. You know, it's 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 got to be like you say. It's it's kind of it's got to be for you know, kind of. Her own, her own personal game. Well, it's you know, it's it's bad for me. It's not.
1: <laughs> yes. It yes. can't. It
0: can't be because maybe it's worse for the Kelpian.
1: Uh, <laughs> Saving Saru is something she has done for no reason other than that it's right, and she's done it privately and in secret between them. And I keep thinking of the Good Place, and I know that's a really <laughs> obvious comparison, but that ends with the premise that if you take people away from. Everything that made their lives hard, and give them a chance to do over and keep, basically keep repeating the same mistakes until they outgrow them and move on to becoming better people. Then they eventually everyone does, and I feel like that's sort of what Jojo got a chance to do. Oh, I just pictured Ted Danson as Carl. Way too on the nose, but I love it.
0: (laughs) Uh. Aww. Building this horrible, horrible universe just for her.
1: I mean, I think she'd be grateful. <laughs> I, I, I think JoJo and the demons of the good place would honestly. Have... Yeah, actually, that's a really dangerous combination. JoJo <laughs> is not allowed to be in charge of the no.
0: afterlife. No. De- oh god, definitely not. Oh no, no. that's a that's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> oh Funny no, though, it is fun. I like it, but no but no but no just just she shouldn't even
1: be in charge of an empire
0: well i mean arguably from what we've seen possibly not
1: and yet is there anyone better
0: well i mean that is that is the real question and i suspect that the answer is no possibly saru now
1: yeah (laughs) i like the hint that uh in this fork from the mirror universe he's going to lead more slave slave rebellions and maybe this is why when kirk and everyone land in the mirror universe 10 years later there aren't any slaves
0: there we go i think that's it mm. i think you've i think you've just yeah. you just hit on it
1: yeah i'm a genius uh, my groceries <laughs> have just arrived uh keep recording i'll be back in all
0: right see you in a sec
1: i'm back hello uh, the cat has moved into this room so if he wants to go out again there'll be another interruption <laughs> that is is absolutely fine so to shift sideways a little duggan totally harry mud yes (laughs) absolutely i there's there's no other explanation is there uh nothing i can think of i have to assume that rain wilson was unavailable and they had to fill in get a fill in
0: it must be because otherwise we've got this complete like you, say, like you say sidestep is the right word because we have this character we've never heard of who <laughs> <laughs> just turns up uh in his rubbish shuffle, uh with his cheap cheap repairs gets captured and gets shot all in the space of
1: three minutes yeah he's even wearing sort of a cheap knockoff of harry's first outfit he's
0: got a bit there must have been an original draft knocking around somewhere that is yeah it's harry mudd however yeah i do mm. i will admit that i the the one thing that i really liked from the the terrible uh series of, of comics that were set in the Mirrorverse after season the, the tie-in comics
1: um, yes succession. how glad are we that they're not canon anymore oh
0: wow i am so well they might be canon in another universe that's that's the only thing we're not we're not clear on <laughs> there's another there's another fork and they are they can somewhere and in one of those ends, yeah. one of those mirror verses mirror harry mud is is uh is an absolute sweetheart who acquires through probably terrible uh you know back channels but he acquires toys for the refugee children and i do i do actually really like that
1: model. yeah yeah i think it's in some ways too obvious to say that everyone who is awful in the Prime universe is a real sweetheart in the Mirror universe, <laughs> but that Mud specifically was kind of delightful. It, it really
0: was. It really, really was. However, I absolutely would have been fine if he had shown up in dungeon's Place. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm flexible. That's fine.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I feel like Harry Mud and Gabriel Walker are inextricably entwined in any timeline. <laughs> And I'm not just saying that because I know you ship it. Liz,
0: I cannot believe you've broken the sanctity of the Google Doc.
1: How could you? I am pretty sure I've discussed in the past that you ship or on this very podcast. <laughs> behind your back, I have revealed. Curse your inevitable betrayal. Oh, it's
0: true. I'm going to admit this in public. So, I mean, mostly... I do, I do have a, a terrible, shameful ship, which is Prime Lorca with that, that mirror mud from the, the terrible, terrible mirror burst tie in comics. Um, I mean, but I do. he needs allies. He needs allies, and mud is a brilliant foil.
1: A brilliant, yeah. terrible foil. And, and such is his relationship and chemistry with mirror Lorca that you have to assume that that transcends universes. Right? Yeah. They're gonna want to they're gonna want to kill each other in every universe. It's it's a great it's a great mm. really love transcends dimensions.
0: <laughs> oh, Just this ask Harry. This is on the record now. This is this is a disaster.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh it's all come unraveled. Uh no, but we don't get mud, we get Duggan, and I really can't see how It was
1: supposed to be anything other than Harry Mudd. No, Uh, I love Duggan because he shares a name with sort of the quasi-companion of a 1979 Doctor Who serial that I love, (laughs) in which Romana, who is a time lady, is paired up with a dumb blonde private detective who punches things a lot named Duggan. That's perfect. And I love him and I kind of ship Romana Duggan a bit And so purely because of that completely unrelated, totally different character, I will allow Mirror Universe Duggan. You know what, I think that's completely legitimate. That's fine. Thank you. I mean, I've loved things for stupider reasons. (laughs) (laughs) Haven't we all? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. Uh, Can we talk about Vicar and Mirror Lorca doesn't appear yet tells us all about his priest (laughs) fetish?
0: Okay, Vicar, I laughed so hard that I missed the rest of the conversation and had to I had to rewind and watch it again because I couldn't breathe. It was. <laughs> <laughs> I do you know what. I I. <laughs> I make no apology. I am an unapologetic, unrepentant Lorca fan. So cards on the table. That's that's where I'm coming from. There is, to me, the only thing better. Than, then bringing Lorca back purely to have Michelle Yeoh outclass him and then stab him through the heart one last time is to roast him for two episodes um mercilessly <laughs> yeah like drag out his priest fetish and then just not bring him back at all <laughs> just be like yeah no, this guy is so unimportant to these women's stories yeah. that we're just not gonna he's not he's not coming guys like he's just he's not he's not important and that's beautiful. <laughs> and I really it's, it's I really, really I really like that and respect it as an artistic decision.
1: <laughs> and I love the implication that he's at some point been hanging out on Riser and, and like getting a message from, from Detma like, uh, come quick, Michael is in the agonizer, she's going to reveal all and he's like, Hmm, new communicator, who dis? <laughs> I, 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 we suspected this for a while, but I think maybe Mira Mira Lorca may not be a good boyfriend.
0: Mira Lorca is genuinely the worst boyfriend, the, <laughs> the absolute worst starter boyfriend that Michael could have possibly had. And it's <laughs> and then you go back to you go back to Discovery at the end of the episode, and then you have Book, who is just a genuinely good boyfriend and immediately leaves his very important meeting with the admiral to go and <laughs> to go and make sure that she's I know. okay and would definitely never abandon her to an agonizer booth it's you know no it's, it's, it's noticeable no he's terrible the
1: Lorca is terrible it, it, he is absolutely the worst mm-hmm. and that's why i love him <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I need to uh, put that disclaimer in so people don't think that I genuinely love the overt Trump uh, stand-in. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: he's he's the worst, and that is why we love
1: him. Right, right. (laughs) It's a very important distinction. The longer we go without Prime Lorca ever appearing, the more we can just build our own version and be terribly disappointed when he eventually turns up (laughs) and is in some way also a bit shit <laughs> <laughs> he,
0: could, he can only disappoint Vicar. Vicar I can't I'm still I'm still reeling from that revelation
1: Vicar Vicar Yeah i had to look up the definition because i was like wait that word has a meaning i i I am an educated person just sometimes i don't think about things Mm -hmm. and i was like oh hey yeah substitute vicarious (gasps) (laughs) oh my
0: god okay no i hadn't i hadn't Mm -hmm. made that i had not made that connection at all oh no well oh
1: don't be impressed by me it was the dictionary work.
0: But you did you did the research and that's the important thing here. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm all about the research. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh I just Vicar. I the problem was I immediately I think the thing that the thing that really tickled me about Vicar was not the was not the vicarious link, which is now also tickling me quite a lot. But the, mm-hmm. the thing that got me was just imagining him in like Bunny Ears at a terrible Bridget Jones's Diary Tarts and vickers party. <laughs> and that was it. And I was gone. Was...
1: <laughs> okay, see, I was thinking of that movie early in Jason Isaac's career where he plays a priest. He does play a priest. Yeah. Oh. And I'm like, a strongly headcanon, Lorca is Jewish, mainly because Jason Isaacs is mm-hmm. Jewish. This does nothing at all to... Uh, change that headcanon I
0: just why would you even why would you make that your your secret call name I don't he is he is terrible
1: he's even bad at names he sort of set himself up for his crew on Discovery and particularly for Michael as sort of a sexy paternal confessor type (laughs) no (laughs) Like, when you think about it, it really makes sense. But you're just like, mate, stop. <laughs> Please, don't. Please don't. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> so, tangentially related to Lorca, but also very much not, <laughs> I do enjoy that Ellen Landry keeps coming back to, to be killed. <laughs> but, I, I, but it was a particularly great this last two weeks to see her completely separate from Lorca. Was, yeah, that was great. Just off the off the
0: leash, on the loose. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes, getting killed again, but
1: with style. I felt absolutely. She nearly <laughs> took down Detmer as well, and I just thought because her character was such a such a missed opportunity and so bound up in every respect with Lorca, mm. that it was just cool to see her as a Michael Partisan Definitely. instead.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I, and that was a. a Sort of an angle I don't think I'd really considered before. No. Before. But obviously they were co-conspirators. Yeah. Because Landry clearly has a blind loyalty to to Lorca in in both universes. Yeah. So obviously they were co-conspirators, which obviously means they must have, you know whether they liked or n- and trusted each other is a is a completely different question, but they they knew each other. Whether
1: well, anyone in this universe likes or trusts <laughs> each other is a different question. But yeah, I just thought that was that was cool and I love the idea that every every two seasons Ellen Landry comes back, dies horribly, <laughs> yeah. and off we go again. Yep. That's it. That's it's in her like, contract. Uh, yeah, I like Rika Sharma. I think she really deserves a show where she doesn't die. Uh but, you know. if, if as long as Discovery's around she can make guest appearances. Pop back. Die again. Mm. <laughs> mm. I think mm.
0: she's I think she's great and she was she was such a a force in the what th- three episodes that she was actually alive in, and and I a think really, it was, two. was it two? Yeah. So she's a real like force. More. It does seem like more, and that's yeah. it. I think it's you know she 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 makes such a big impression, dies horribly, comes back briefly, makes another big impression.
1: More than any other character they could have brought back. Like it's cool to see human Ariam. But we don't see, for example, human Ash Tyler. We don't see Kat. Neither of our fics have been Jost. Have you noticed this?
0: I was so relieved.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mine are as Jost now as they were two weeks ago, and I'm really happy about that.
0: I, I'll be honest. I spent a large portion portion, portion of this week just <laughs> absolutely in, in terror that Prime Lorca was going to turn up, that Prime Lorca was going to come back, that something, something was going to happen to completely change the elaborate head cannons that you know I've been I've been devising. I'm so so relieved. So,
1: yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. High five. Although now I'm <laughs> now I'm picturing a timeline where uh, somehow Jojo brings Mira back through or Prime Locker back through the Guardian, and he's just like, so I'm in the thirty second century. <laughs>
0: Which I mean that would have that would have uh, certainly made. I think all of our fix completely alternative know. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, more more than they were to start with. <laughs> I just like the idea. I feel like someone needs to walk onto Discovery and go, Guys, is it possible that Saru is not good at his job? <sighs> okay. And yet I had
0: no problem with Saru this week. I was I was about to say I this week might be the first time that I've actually felt a little bit sorry for him. Because yeah, but he he genuinely did did do what Vance told him to do. Yeah, he was he was working on Vance's mission. He was you know uh, following orders and sort of now it's his it's his week to be told that he was doing things wrong. Um, so I did yes. I did feel the thing with Vance is that he he turns up and then he kind of blows hot and cold. So yes, he was all kind of all for the mission last week. Was it last week? Mm. I've lost track of, of, of time on Discovery. but like, yeah,
1: It's, it's 2020. 2020.
0: I don't even know what day of the week it is, let alone what time it is up in the thirty second century.
1: But, uh, you it's know, Saturday here.
0: Don't confuse me.
1: <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's
0: allegedly Friday, late Friday night here. <laughs> so, right. I don't know how time zones work, and I definitely don't know how time travel works. So Vance turns up last week, sends them off yeah. on this mission to go and rescue the Kelpians or whatever is happening over in the nebula where the A-plot is allegedly happening. And then he turns up this week and he's like, what are you doing, what are you doing? looking
1: in this nebula, guys? What's this? What's what's happening? And he's like, you, you sent us. You sent us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's even kind of racist all of a sudden, being like, are you sure you're not just biased because there's another Kelpian? Yeah. And I thought Saru was managing that really well but it's not just this it's like the other week he was like under no circumstances can you start a war with the emerald chain and -hmm. then a week later he's like okay so we're sort of at war with the emerald chain but that's okay we'll handle it
0: that's that's totally totally fine off you go on your on your side quest and we'll we'll deal with the big war that's suddenly happening (laughs) yeah so i did feel sorry for him for saru yeah not for vance i was kind of annoyed at vance
1: I still like Vance and I still think he's an interesting character and I I hope they don't kill him because I really cannot lose another Admiral. (laughs) But, I I just don't think he's much good at his job either. No, it's he's definitely struggling but Yeah, uh, and I wonder if that's sort of part of the problem with the Federation in this era that because they literally live in a bubble, they're sort of not very experienced at thinking outside the box as it were i suppose it's
0: it's the thing of you know he's not had any resources to work with he's not had a box to think out of for, for so long yeah That these these kind of upstarts from <laughs> from 900 years ago suddenly turned up and turned everything upside down for him so i do you know i do i do kind of feel sorry for him they have definitely complicated his job but oh yeah you know a little, a little bit like you, you you probably shouldn't or can't fail upwards in the empire i sort of feel like you shouldn't fail upwards in starfleet even if you're in the 32nd century and there's only like five people left in starfleet it mm. seems it seems like maybe he's he's somewhat underprepared for these kind of complicated decisions that are- are I just want to point everybody? out that
1: the Starfleet admiralty is the very epitome of failing <laughs> I think they've had two competent admirals in, their, in the entire 50 years of the franchise. Did they blow both of them
0: up? I think so, yeah. Oh, man. So, yeah, yeah you're right. It's a rough job. It's a really, <laughs> it's a really rough job. <laughs> oh. I just... Yeah, I I can't figure Vance out. I really, really can't. I sort of, I like him one week, and then he sort of, yeah, turns. He's not, he can't, yeah. I can't really read him. I can't figure out, I can't figure out his motives at all.
1: You know, one of the reasons Kat works so well as a character is that she has a co- had a connection with Lorca beyond the professional, and that goes with the other successful Admiral characters, Forrest in Enterprise and... Ross in Deep Space Nine, they had friendships Mm. with the show's captains or evil, shitty Mirror Universe captains, (laughs) as it turns out. And and, and Vance is an interesting guy, I assume, but he's played by Odette Fair, so maybe I just like his face. (laughs) But there's no connection there. No, it's, it's,
0: yeah, it's purely, it's purely professional. And he just kind of, he turns up to tell them off every now and again. And he doesn't seem yeah. to Yeah, I think that's I think that's it. I think you I think I think you're right. It's he he's not interested particularly in getting to know them as a you know, as a crew. He's not mm. he's not interested really in their personal life. Although he sort of last week makes, you know, makes the allusion to the fact that he understands that it's important that you know that there is a, a, a cohesiveness on the ship and that there's that that sense of family and you know looking after each other so he obviously at some point in his career has understood that but yeah it, it's, it is it is odd to me that he yeah he he really hasn't made much effort to get to know them at all
1: i think it's also that we only ever see him in professional contexts and there's never you know, Vance is woken in the middle of the night by a com from Discovery or anything like that. Mm. There's no chink in his armor, so to no. speak. No, not racist. Right? It doesn't sound good. <laughs> anyway, I will I will consider that offline and maybe edit that out. <laughs> anyway, um, what, what made Cat work is that she had vulnerability yes. from Lethy like she was established as a strong character and then she's made vulnerable Vance has never been vulnerable no, I mean he's definitely got he's got a blind spots
0: but he, yeah, he's not been allowed to be as rounded a character yet I would say, it's getting yeah. there there are sort of hints of, of something that's going on underneath or, you know, I mean, I mean mm. we had the burn but the, the burn was 150 years ago so we can't yeah. really expect that that was a kind of a direct trauma to him. So I don't think it's it's that, or at least not that directly. But there's obviously something, there's some loss or some, you know, uh some regret that they're hinting at now.
1: Yeah. Because we're not allowed see it. that.
0: Exactly. And we and we're kind of because we're not like you say, we're not allowed to see him be vulnerable. It kind of it is it is quite difficult to like him wholeheartedly.
1: Do you think what we need is for Vance to sleep with Saru?
0: I do not think that is what we need.
1: Okay, <laughs> that's <laughs> just putting it out there.
0: I mean if Vicar hadn't broken me that, that might have just been the final straw. Oh god. <laughs> <laughs> but oh oh <laughs> Um, look, no kink shaming, no um, no judgment. It's not mm. it's not what I would write, but <laughs> I mean, who knows?
1: Yeah, yeah. I don't think I ship it. I just <laughs> think we need to uh, break him down a little, mm. and if that means Odette Fair gets his kit off, I mean, looking at that is a sacrifice I am willing to make for the sake of characterisation.
0: Thank you for your sacrifice.
1: Thank you. you. I really appreciate (laughs) that you appreciate my
0: work. (laughs) But you know, I think you're right. A little, uh, you know, you know, a little, a little shot of him waking up, maybe, with fewer clothes on than he is often seen Mm. with. You know, Mm. in the middle of the night, and and maybe Mm. with a little bit of moonlight coming through the window, hitting him Mm. in just the right way. Mm. Maybe, maybe. You know, they
1: always used to. Put Patrick Stewart in like silk pajamas with deep V.
0: <laughs> that is absolutely what I want. <laughs> yeah, not, there are not enough silky pajamas for men in this series. Is, is actually my major takeaway from uh, from <laughs> from my catch up. I'm watching. I'm watching. Uh, well, pretty much all of the series at the moment. Trying to try and catch up with mm. everything. Everything else that's happened apart from discovery ever in the world of Star Trek. Um, and I think my that is my biggest complaint that the future future fashion has stepped away from the silky blouses for men. I think that's a real oversight. It's the one complaint I would like to put at Gersha Phillips. Yeah,
1: before. yeah. Aside from Sir Pat uh in his prime, that's that's really just about it. I I should have I should have gotten you to. Uh, Introduce yourself at the beginning and describe <laughs> your, your, your Trekky background. Oh yeah, yeah. This is just random. <laughs> this random person who's just shown up. <laughs> you can do that now if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Tell us because this is a great story and I love it. <laughs> Tell us how you got into Star Trek.
0: <sighs> okay. I mean, I will start by saying that my motivations were not pure. Mm-hmm. I I heard. Um, as luck would have it, that this actor called Jason Isaacs was going to be in this little mm-hmm. show called Star Trek Discovery uh, and that he, perhaps, the rumours had it, uh, that maybe he wore a uniform that was slightly too tight in some areas. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the one thing that I knew about Star Trek at this point was that the captain is always the good guy. And uh, it was probably going to be a really relaxing way to spend, you know, 45 minutes a week um, watching Jason Isaac's bottom in tight lycra. And three years later, it's it's ruined my life, basically. And uh... (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so no. So, yeah, it's uh i i started watching because of jason isaacs i didn't continue watching because of jason isaacs uh he he dragged you me you would have
1: gone long ago of,
0: exactly you know he, he dragged me in kicking and screaming but um i'm 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 here for i'm here for the universe now so yeah so i've been steadily catching up on what is it 50, 50 60 years of uh, a bit a bit some years of uh some series uh <laughs> so i've now watched uh, obviously all of Discovery, all of Picard I've watched all of the original series uh, Oh wow I know, which I felt like I needed like a, a gold star or something for getting to the end of series 3 Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> that was hard work and I've seen all of Voyager so I'm getting
1: there So you've seen the important bits I've seen the important bits <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm up part to speed of the, Part of the reason that I love this story is that So many people, including myself, came into Star Trek through their parents or, like, my mother watched the original series Mm. with her dad. And I don't like the idea that there's a hierarchy and someone who started watching because, hi, have you seen Jason Isaacs? (laughs) Hello. (laughs) Is just as important and has just as much to to contribute as someone who has been around for generations and generations back to the beginning of time or at least the 1960s
0: (laughs) well thank you for validating my objectification of jason isaac's and um yeah i only feel slightly bad about it i don't feel bad about it at all that's a lie (laughs) (laughs) i'd never i'd never watched never knowingly watched any star trek until discovery um so I was very confused by the whole uh, sort of <laughs> I mean just totally the entire premise of season one because I was like wait this isn't is this is this normal is this what wait I thought I thought you know the captain was the good guy and it was okay all right all
1: right maybe that yeah, maybe I've yeah. got this
0: wrong maybe I've got this wrong uh so the he doesn't
1: seem to be a good the, guy I was
0: like he would not appear to be a nice person at all and I was oh, I just was really confused by the whole this isn't real Trek uh argument because you know as far as i was concerned it was it was the only trick i'd ever seen and having watched you know a fair chunk of it now uh i still don't buy the it's not real trick <laughs> argument and uh <laughs> that's all i've got to say
1: on that well obviously we are a a a, an, a podcast that's very anti the concept of real and fake <laughs> trick except for the animated series uh <laughs> We have drawn the line there. Uh one day I want to do an episode on yesteryear, but only because Annika hates the the animated series and doesn't want to watch it. And I enjoy trolling her, but also it's an episode that's basically Sarek's fault. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's the one uh that's the one where they where Spock goes and meets young Spock, isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah, the guardian is of uh, forever is around. Oh again. yeah. All of it's Sarek's fault all of it one hundred percent and i'm really glad that discovery gets to really dig into that and push his mistakes into the the 32nd century oh my god his his mistakes
0: have spread so far (laughs) Mm. so wide
1: for a man who only had three children that we know of oh god I realize you're not implying that Sarek was promiscuous, just that he adopts every child he meets, but comes, still. Just comes home with them. Mm. I mean, he could be promiscuous. We don't know how their marriage works. No. It could be. It could, it, absolutely.
0: It could be mm. entirely open. Uh, I yeah, did just mean yeah. that he literally turns up with some extra children every now and again.
1: Yeah, and goes, okay, Amanda, these ones are <laughs> uh, I know you wanted to get a cat, but I found this baby. <laughs>
0: You know they've got to like do, do a head count every time they get the kids on the shuttle to go to the supermarket one two yeah, three yeah. four wait hang on four five six the kids are doing the thing where they run around the back of the shuttle get back in the end of the queue yeah. again so it gets to, like 30 kids and amanda's going i'm pretty sure
1: did we have 30 kids it's still going <laughs> <laughs> Just, just the family Thanksgiving is so awkward because at the head of the table you've got Cybok and Spock and Michael and then all the others and some of them are speaking to each other and some of them are speaking to Sarek and the only consistency is they're all speaking to Amanda. It's just a whole thing. There's a chart. <laughs> they're really complex. The, fa- the family
0: tree itself is quite straightforward. The family tree of who is speaking to who, it's like you need a map to navigate the family tree.
1: When Michael is dealing with that uh, holographic projected map early this season and it looks like some kind of futuristic wall of crazy she's not trying to find the source of the bird she's just working out who and her family is speaking to each other (laughs) in this century. That's it!
0: Oh, it all makes sense now.
1: It's fantastic. Well, I think that is the end of our... It's the end of my common sense for the day. <laughs> uh, thank you for joining me for a really en- uh, eh, enjoyable and fun chat. And I really hope Annika is doing better next week. And, oh, shit, we're going to be recording on Christmas Day her time. <laughs> happy Christmas. No, we can, we... Lucky her. <laughs> uh, we can be flexible. I hope that Annika can be back next week. But if not, I am totally happy to have you again. Aww.
0: Well, no, I, I uh, yeah, Annika, wish you all the best. I hope everything's going uh, going as well as it can be um, and that you are back and that yeah, everyone here is back in the hands of the professional next week instead of me.
1: Professionals. I'm doing this with air quotes. That's the sort of podcasting professional I am that I forget they can't see me. For the benefit of the tape,
0: Liz was doing
1: air quotes. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Antimatterpod. You can find our show notes at antimatterpod.tumblr.com, including links to our social media and credits for our theme music. You you can also follow us on Twitter at at Antimatterpod, and on Facebook, just search Antimatterpod. If you like us, leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you consume your podcasts. The more reviews, the easier it is for new listeners to find us. Join us next week when we'll be talking about the next episode of Star Trek Discovery, the Citadel. I'm expecting like a festive Christmas special sort of thing.
0: Oh, maybe. With your musical number?
1: Like, yeah, yeah. You know, Doctor Who always has the Christmas special and they get Carly Minogue or some big celebrity yeah. to appear. And I, I really think it's time Star Trek embraced the Christmas special.
0: Have a, you
1: know. Or because it's Star Trek, the atheist, secular, seasonal special. <laughs>